to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a Good meaningful morning. marketplace. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us to hear stories from female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce, and Sarah Missoni's back. Yay, I made it back from the cheese camp. Welcome back. Can you tell us some cheese highlights? Ooh, I got to judge all the fresh mozzarellas and the, um, all the Italian pasta folatas and the fettas made from cow's milk. And a whole bunch of yogurt. That sounds awesome. It was so fun. I had a great time. Did you have a favorite company that you didn't know about before that stood out to you this time? Actually, there's a cheese company in uh, Wisconsin, of all Mm -hmm. places, that makes uh, blue cheese that is about 80% fat. And it has... uh, really special ingredient that I always forget what it's called. It's a juniper berry. It has juniper berries in it, and it's so yummy. I'm in love with it. I think it's called Bluebird. That's really interesting. Or Blue Jay or something like that. I've never heard of juniper berries in cheese before. Is that like a common flavor element? It was not a common flavor element for cheese, but I think it's really delicious and it'd be great with like a gin and tonic well that's what i was gonna say when we had the um tmk creamery and they were talking about making vodka with the whey of the milk yeah it would be like kind of a similar matchup with like doing gin and a little bit of buttery a little bit of bitter a little bit of blue mold that's really cool (laughs) we'll have to look for that i want to try it yeah try it out well i'm so glad you're back Thanks. Mm-hmm. So let's start off the hour with some food news. So it's Burger Week here in Portland, mm. and uh, Burger Week is when local restaurants make different tasty burgers just for the week. So tomorrow is the last day to enjoy these burgers. Um, one year, my brother ate every single burger Whoa. from Burger Week. He's here visiting right now. He always comes back for Burger Week. Hi, Dave. He's listening. Uh, this year, there's 60 burgers, so I don't think he's quite going to make it through all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not if there's one day left. I know, I think right? It's too late. <laughs> he's a fan of the Polish bomber from Dolores. Ooh. He says it's exactly like a pierogi. Our last name is Drusky, so it's our Polish roots, I think, oh. drawing him into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to encourage people to go to women-owned restaurants to support our uh, local lady restaurant owners and entrepreneurs. So, Good idea. Uh, Joanna Ware of Small Wares has a special burger. She doesn't usually do burgers at her mm. restaurant. So if you want to get that one, I know it has fried onions and mm. shiso 
pretty interesting. So go try that. If you're a food entrepreneur and have a press release for us to announce, submit those to startupradionetwork.com. We'll help you spread the word about events, new products, and awards, anything you want us to put out there into the food world. So speaking of burgers, nothing goes better with burgers than organic ketchup, mustard, sauces. So we are joined in the studio today with Shannon from Red Duck Foods. Hello. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. And the Thanks cheese for coming. conversation has me already hungry this morning. I yeah. know, right? We get to talk about a, little, a lot of really great stuff. Well, we started with cheese and burgers. I know, so. yeah. <laughs> right? We just fries. <laughs> it's always good that we start in the morning because then whatever we talk about on the show, then I'm like, what am I going to have for lunch? I think it's mm. probably going to be a burger today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> burger King just launched the Impossible Burger here this week. So if you want to go for that... Oh, wow. Corporate stuff. (laughs) That's out there. (laughs) So tell us about Red Duck Foods. I have to say, I always say Red Duck Ketchup, but you are so Mm -hmm. much more than ketchup. Yes. So when we started, we were Red Duck Ketchup because we only had ketchup. Um, We always had an eye to expand into additional product lines, but... We kind of respond to both. You can call us Red Duck Foods, Red Duck Ketchup. We we know you're talking to us. So, cool. <laughs> um, so Red Duck started in 2013. It was a class project out of the University of Oregon's MBA program. Um, it was a write a business plan and over a basket of tater tots at the local pub where all of the best ideas are hatched. <laughs> we realized that the Cajun tots, which were already upgraded, were served with kind of this lackluster, probably Heinz or something from a number 10 can at Cisco. And it just didn't do the tots justice. And we kind of felt like there should be a condiment on par with all of these burgers that chefs are creating for Burger Week and really fancy tater tots and rosemary shoestring garlic fries and all of these great foods that Portland has to offer. So we kind of looked around thinking, well, maybe it exists. We just haven't seen it. And the grocery stores had a big bottle of Heinz, a small bottle of Heinz, a private label that's probably Heinz. Yeah. And we were like, wow, I think there's really an opportunity here. So... Um, We went to the kitchen and we did probably 20 different recipes, splattered ketchup all over the walls. Um, (laughs) Some of the recipes did not make the cut. They have never been seen again. Mm -hmm. And then the three that we launched with were our smoky, our curry, and our spicy. And um, launched them in three stores in Eugene in 2013, so six years ago. And Time now flies, doesn't it? Oh <laughs> six years. I'm like, that was like your child's last in kindergarten year. now. Yep. Um, so now we're in about 5,000 stores. We've expanded to barbecue sauce, cocktail sauce, and taco sauce. How many stores did you say you're in? Roughly 5,000. We're nationwide what? at this point. I know. What? <laughs> and that was always in the Excel model when we yeah. presented this, but. Um, Wow. It's crazy to actually have gotten to that point now. So. That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank I had you. no you idea. You can actually pay people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a much different looking company now than it was when we were hauling, you know, cases of ketchup out of my trunk into, you know, the office that didn't have an elevator upstairs. Wow. Do you still do direct delivery as everything? Through? We don't do very much. Yeah. Um, most of it goes through distribution, yeah. um, but we do do a little bit of fulfillment out of our office for um, stores that we ship to. I drive by your office every day on my way home. Oh, nice. And I'm always like, are the curtains open today or are the <laughs> curtains closed? Yeah. So your yeah. location that you have here for our local Portland people, can people go there because they see the red duck sign? Can they come in and talk to you or is that just where you're working from? 
It's both. Mm -hmm. Um, Full disclaimer, though, we're moving at the end of the month. So (laughs) Um, you can can walk by. We may not be there any longer. (laughs) But no, we have enjoyed having that kind of um, front facing sidewalk where People can see the sign and they yeah. just pop in. Um, Should be like a ketchup store. It, it, I mean, it kind of a sauce is a, store? a pop-up store a at brick times. And mortar um, sauce store. <laughs> we don't advertise it as such, but when Ellen is there, she's her her title is the office duck, and oh. she is just the most welcoming. She will bring you in. She will walk across the street and find someone and be like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Do you need any sauce? Are you doing any barbecues? Um, she's the best like brand advocate that we could ever ask for. So she'll make everyone feel welcome and let them leave with a, a gift bag and, and some product to take home. That's so cool. That's great. So when you started your project, there are three of you mm-hmm. that were students together. So who are the other owners? So it's myself, um, Karen Bonner, and Jess Hilbert, and we kind of have each manned one kind of leg of the stool, I guess, that's the business. Um, with a small team, you kind of all do everything, but mm-hmm. we learned very on in class projects and the early days of the business that the best way to make sure things get done and things don't fall through the cracks is that each project needs an owner. Um, so we have one person, Karen's kind of on the the money side of things, finance, accounting, um, just does our sales and marketing, and then I'm operations and supply chain. Cool. That's a good way to do it because it is a lot to do it all as one person. So it's cool that you have a a team to like go at everything all together. I always see solo entrepreneurs and I don't know how they do it. I I feel like there must be some sort of level at which you just get used to contracting and outsourcing and finding someone else that can help because it's it's way too much to juggle all on your own. Yeah, or you just get good at doing every aspect of it. Like some days I'm the janitor, some days I'm the <laughs> delivery driver. You just like get used to switching it all up. Some of those things never change, <laughs> even when you have three founders yeah. head of IT right here. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. The printer's broken. <laughs> they call you. One of the interesting things about your business is that you started sort of right out of college, so mm-hmm. you weren't really influenced by other people's businesses and you were able to build your business in a way that fit your lifestyle. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about how you've made your business a lifestyle business? Are well, you doing that? I would say, first of all, if anyone wants to start a business and you're in business school, that's the time to do it. Yeah, have- I think it is a there's other businesses around town that have done that. I think mm-hmm. they've been very successful. So it's something to contemplate for sure. Yeah. And that's not saying you have to go to business school to start a business. Right. But if you're there already and you have an idea that you think, oh, maybe in 10 or 20 years, like maybe, you know, bump that timeline up and give it a try because yeah. you have access to professors and connections and resources. Even just playing the student card when you go into a store to interview mm-hmm. a buyer on how how placement in that category works. Yeah. They're very willing to help students um, when it gets to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. Well, you can go buy Spins data yeah. for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, or they so. want to have a consulting fee that maybe they right. don't, aren't going to charge you as a student. You exactly. know, so it's really nice to be able to use those resources mm-hmm. yeah. when you can. I have a friend that she doesn't have a food bes- business necessarily, but it sort of is. But she did the same thing with um, Spin Laundry. That mm, They have a cafe side. Awesome. Oh, and cool. she business. set up the business while she was going to school. Right. And so then she could come out and start this you know, awesome business. So um, it's a pretty pretty good way to do it. I always wanted to do my laundry there. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever been there? I've walked by and been to the neighborhood, of course, but I haven't 
Yeah, now I have my own should. laundry mat. At well, home. I mean, even if you have your own laundry mat, it's good for bringing big things. Like if you oh. want to wash a tent or a sleeping bag or something like that, they have those big, huge, oh, they have um, enormous, yeah, enormous ones, and it's all like you know environmental. Or if you friendly. spill ketchup on something, yeah, you don't that's want it. Never <laughs> happened. And then they have, a, yeah, they have a cafe in there, so you can also have a coffee or a oh. kombucha or a beer or whatever you want. That's cool. It's pretty cool. Cool. It's a, it's a cool idea. Thank you, business school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, n- now that you're in the world of ketchup mm-hmm. and sauce and mustard, right? We have a mustard barbecue sauce. Perfect. Yep. Um, tell us where people can find those things. Are you doing stores? Are you doing direct sales through markets? Where Where can they find your stuff? So in the Portland area, um, pretty much anywhere you go grocery shopping. We're in all the, the grocery stores, Fred Meyer, Whole Foods, New Seasons, Market of Choice, um, kind of all the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. We're also at a handful of markets. Um, we kind of rotate. We're not necessarily at every single one every week, um, but we do, I think, the Hillsboro one and I think Lake Oswego. Um, and then we rotate a few others. Um, and then... You can also find us online through our website and through Amazon. Um, And we do a handful of events throughout the year. Like you'll see us at some of the night market events. Those are always fun and good crowd there. So um, it's it's great to get to sample the product at markets to let people try them. That's where we get that face-to-face interaction and the feedback. And the proportion of best-selling products at those outlets is a lot different than through grocery, mm-hmm. um, which is always interesting for us. Direct interaction with the customers is so important because yes. it's like even if you're not able to sell things at certain events or you um, are going through a lot of samples, it's just so good to get your product into people's mouths and bodies and it have is. them try it. Yeah. And we get some very interesting feedback. It's something that we're, you know, is a uh, exciting challenge for us, but what sells best in grocery stores for us are our kind of middle of the road standard flavors, mm-hmm. and what sells best at direct sampling events tends to be the unique flavors: the curry ketchup, mm-hmm. the Korean taco mm. sauce, the mustard barbecue sauce. That's the same thing for us. Like our, if we're doing direct sales and people are trying our habanero carrot curry, is our most popular. Mm-hmm. But on the grocery store so- shelf, it's the least popular, right? Because I think people are a little they're bit afraid. intimidated oh, it by might it, be or too hot. yeah, or they're just like not sure exactly mm-hmm. that that's what they need in their lives until they try it. So that's like the perfect example. That's people need to try your stuff. Demos yep. are so important. Yeah, they, they totally are. are. They're and you. You guys used to do I don't I I think this is where I maybe first met you was at an OMSI night market mm-hmm. and you would do these tater tot yep. yeah. like little shelf things that spun and uh-huh. your tater tots <laughs> and that's how you sampled it out. Do we you still, still do, do that. We yes. did that at Feast it. too. So I saw you at Feast. Right. We've done that at Feast a couple times and mm-hmm. we have had people come up more interested in what we have now termed the spinny tot ovens. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a repurposed pizzazz pizza oven. They're yeah. like 30 bucks on Amazon. Wow. Um, but you they're should be great. a rep. I know. If they want to like kick Get me back a little <laughs> I won't object, but um, they're great. You can do like taquitos and other, any frozen food. It heats from the top and bottom. And you've got hot fried food that goes yeah. perfect and with it, ketchup in I 10 minutes. I think the bigger question is, how many tater tots did you give away at Feast? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I I honestly don't remember, but cases it was and cases. It was cases. We I did not buy them. By going, what? How yeah. are you doing that? Yeah, those came from Cash and Carry, like the big. We we bought the them mega. out at one of one oh, of the you locations. Bought them out. <laughs> yes. The feast is a huge food event that we yeah, have here in Portland up. for people that yeah. aren't from here in town. But um, and so they do a grand tasting, and mm-hmm. so local they moved makers, it this year too. yeah, to the waterfront. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be different. It's usually in Pioneer fun. Square, and yeah. so local makers come and then um, guests come to the event and and sample everything and you don't sell things there but there's so many wonderful people media people and mm-hmm. food buyers and all these things that are all there in one place the general public and so you do go through a lot of samples yeah. so yeah, I'm sure you went through a lot of tater tots we did but it was I mean those <laughs> events are always so much fun yeah they're crazy and busy but again that feedback from people whether it's the general public or a buyer or a chef yeah. um, just hearing people give their you know feedback on your product is really exciting and fun. Yeah, and that's something to keep in mind. They When they have these um, tater tot machines that are cooking their product, it is b- drawing people in. So sometimes it's good to have um, you know some kind of thing that people are paying attention to, yeah. even if you're not getting them over there to necessarily, you know, like the reason they're coming over to you might not be your ketchup, but right. in the end they're going to try your ketchup and they're mm-hmm. going to like it. So that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> we have Very a lot cool. of fun with it. Yeah. Plus it creates an aroma. Yeah, I think Aromas. that also draws people yeah. in for sure. Ketchup, you can't really smell it from the bottle, but when you have something cooking and browning. Yeah, yeah you can try it. So our show is called A Meaningful Marketplace, and we like mm-hmm. to have guests on that are doing something really special and something that's good for people's lives. So we know why we asked you to come here, but you tell us <laughs> why. What are you bringing to the people of the world with your ketchup? You know, I, I think there's a couple ways to answer that. One is with the products themselves. Um, you know, we just really felt like there should be a better option out there. Going back to that, you know, Genesis story over that basket of tots. Um, there's no need to put a bunch of fillers in ketchup. It's a very simple product. Uh, you don't need a bunch of preservatives. Um, and we we wanted to have better flavors, too. Really actually be able to taste the tomatoes. When people try our ketchups, a lot of times they say, that's very tomato forward. Um, and part of that is because we work with suppliers that have really great practices. The the tomatoes are grown and they go from field to puree in less than four hours. So Whoa, that's I think awesome. That's part of why they taste so good yeah. is the quality of ingredients. Um, we also put a lot of attention and time into really getting the recipe to balance and have just the right kind of flavor profile of sweet and salty and a beginning and a middle and an end. And we'll spend hours and multiple iterations just tweaking till we get it just right. So on the on the product offering, I think, you know, it's offering something better for people um, so that they can still enjoy their food without sacrificing that flavor, but still have an or- a certified organic, healthy. Um, these have like half or less of the sodium and sugar than more, most products. So yeah, um, great. on the health level, they're they're really great. And then just in terms of how we run our business, you know, we we're not a huge, huge company, but from the day the from day one, we wanted to kind of prove that you can run a business responsibly and ethically. And just by being in business, you're not the man and you know, out to just make profit at all expenses and you know, run over anyone in the meantime. We wanted to provide jobs that had health insurance to employees when we hire and we're very selective about when we do decide to hire. Um we wanted to create a work environment that is healthy and encouraging and promotes personal growth. We want to be involved in our communities. Um, we've been working with the Oregon Food Bank this year mm. as our charitable partner to um, do some events with them. 
And we just really felt like you can use business for as a force for good. That's mm-hmm. kind of the B Corp motto. Yeah. Um, be the change and, and use business as a force for good. And we wanted to show that even a small company can do that. I love that. That's great. So you brought up so many things. So let me just <laughs> backtrack us a little bit. Uh-huh. So let's talk about your um, your products being organic. Yep. Yeah. So everything is certified organic. Yep. But it wasn't always organic. It was always organic. It was always um, organic. It wasn't certified until right after the first year. Uh-huh. Um, those so, very early days, the okay. certification fee was ominous. But yeah. Yeah. What, can you walk us through what that process is like? Because some of our makers, mm-hmm. might it might be something they're thinking about, and, and we want to know like the benefits and the costs and all of that. Yeah, so um, I personally believe that it makes the product taste better. When we very first started, we prototyped with conventional tomato paste. And the co-packer we were working with at the time said, if you're going to go organic, you need to switch to organic. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to taste that different. And we prototyped another batch with the organic tomato paste and completely redid the recipe, cut the sugar and cut the salt about in half, which Mm -hmm. is where it's at now, Um, mostly because you just don't need it when the flavor of the tomatoes is just naturally there. And so... um, I think it does create a, a better quality, a better tasting product. It does cause you know some issues on the supply chain side where you have less options in terms of certified mm-hmm. organic um, spices that go in the curry blend or vinegars. Um, and so you know it, you're going to pay a little bit more and you have more likelihood of an out of stock or an ingredient issue. But you know as long as you're planning ahead, you can usually mitigate that. Um, and in terms of the certification process, we work with Oregon Tilth, and they've been really helpful. Um, it's really about record keeping and mm-hmm. making sure that you can track your locks, the ingredients, where they're coming in, where they're going, possession of them, and be able to do kind of a trace back audit to make sure that you can show these ingredients went in this batch and this batch was sold to this customer. Yeah. yeah. Department of Ag actually has a program where you can get refunded $750 mm-hmm. of the certification fee. Did you take advantage of that? Yeah, we did. Oh, We've cool. um, participated most years, if not all of them. Oh, great. Yeah. So that's, that's been really cool. great for us. Yeah. Most states should have that. So yeah. if you're trying to do something with organic, make sure and uh, check with your state Department of Agriculture. And a lot of food producers on the smaller end are doing that kind of tracking anyways mm-hmm. because we are required to do that. And so it's not so difficult to do that. And right. I think what what um, people don't know about is they just think about the cost. They hear the cost. They look into right. the cost. And they're like, I can't ever do that. Well, like, I would have to sell so many things. But if you can get this, that is helps. it a scholarship or a grant? It's through? a grant. And you just apply and they give you a refund. Very cool. Um, but one of the other issues with organic is availability. I think right. you touched on that a little bit. And so you have to really plan ahead yeah. and yep. see if it fits for the type of food that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So we, we talk about organic. The other thing that you mentioned I want to talk about is uh, B Corp. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you guys are a certified B Corp. Yep. Can you talk about what that means and what that process is like? Yeah. So um, a B Corp is a benefit corporation. Uh, Again, kind of the motto is using business as a force for good. And it's a very rigorous assessment. Um, It's free. Anyone can take it. And um, you need to score 80 points or higher in order to get certified. And most companies who take the assessment do not score anywhere near the 80. We didn't either. What are the 80 points? They cover um, environment, social governance, or corporate governance, um, social impact, how you treat your workers, and I think mission 
mission alignment. Um, And so there's many ways to score 80 points. It's not an all or nothing. You have to do this preset um, kind of plan. It's, you know, many, many ways to measure how you're having an impact. So some companies have a lot of community involvement or they employ um, people that have barriers to, to employment. Um, they may do better in that area than a company that's really focusing on the environment um, or environmental stewardship. We kind of, ours is very much spread out throughout those five um, categories. But through working with B-Lab, the company that administers it, we were able to take the initial assessment, find areas for improvement. Is that just online? It is. Okay. Yep. And I can't say enough, like, don't get scared away if you take it and you're like, I got a 14. Wow. Because I think that's about where we were at. I mean, taking the test is like a learning experience. It is. It's like, what? I didn't know I needed to do that. And it that. gets you to think about all different things. I want to <laughs> exactly. I want to go do it right now and see Are what. Are you going to do it? I want to. Yeah. Okay. Report back next yeah, week. Yeah. I'll let you know my, my probably okay score, but maybe <clears throat> terrible score. I'll... I'll tell you next week. But it works really great <laughs> as a framework to, as you're making choices as you grow your business, yeah. um, you know, like, oh, what should be in our employee manual? What is our non-discrimination policy? I think you that's know? the thing when you don't, when it's your first time doing it, you just don't know. And mm-hmm. so as you're writing all of the things, I hear Sarah opening ketchup over there. I really have a frog I in my throat, <laughs> so I was wondering if I'd drink some ketchup. <laughs> it would help. Away. Yeah, do I'm it. I'm going to, like, drink it. Do it. See, like, so um, Sarah is opening up the is that the smoky smoky ketchup so this is a new formulation of our smoky oh, ketchup cool. um we yeah, took cool. all the cane sugar smoky. out so this is sweetened with date paste i love date paste very mm-hmm. cool and so what make made you ladies make that decision to switch from cane sugar to date paste we've always wanted to do a like no sugar added version mm-hmm. um we don't call it. Oh, she's literally <laughs> drinking it out of the okay. um, Sarah, I'm going to take your photo <laughs> so, and I'm going to post so everybody can see you make drinking sure the, the ketchup. Forward. Yeah, right. <laughs> this a, is amazing. It's ketchup, ketchup chug. Oh. Mm. Um. <laughs> Maybe really you should good. start doing ketchup shots at the can farmer's I just market. Add this to hot water and use it like tomato soup. You can. You can also like use Marlo it as a pizza Thomas sauce. Did. It's really tasty. So my cooking hack um, is wow. any recipe that calls for tomato paste. They usually call for something like two tablespoons. You're not mm-hmm. going to open a whole can for two tablespoons. Oh yeah, so use the ketchup. Use I think I've done duck. that before with yours yeah. actually. And now a word from our sponsor. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. We always talk about Instagram on here. So, um, you who runs your Instagram account? So we we have a contracted person that oh, we work cool. with, um, yeah. and then Jess manages that. So I was going to say, very your involved with it. Photos but. are beautiful. You have so many recipes mm-hmm. for people to use your yeah. products and cook with. And every time I look at it, I'm like, I want to eat all those things. Yeah, <laughs> does your recipes? By the way, I was looking on your website, and there's a ton of resources there for are. people. Like, how do I use this stuff? There are. Um, over the years, it's been kind of a smattering. It's been some of the folks that we've worked with on the social media side. Some of them in the early days kind of came th- from us and have been 
worked in. Um, I'd love to say that we do them all, that we've created them all, but there's just not enough hours in the day for us to take those gorgeous, glamorous photos and create the recipes and run the business. So There is nothing wrong um, with someone doing your Instagram for you. Yeah, but they do look great. I <laughs> love are. them. Um, and I've made quite a few of the recipes myself, and they're so tasty. The ketchup fried rice is one of my favorites. Oh, Ooh, yeah. That, sounds, that yeah. sounds good. What's your Instagram and Twitter handle so people can find you? At Red Duck Foods. Perfect. Yep. So you can find them there, and sometimes people like to follow along while they're listening so mm-hmm. they can check out all the things that we are talking about. Feel free to check us out. So we talked about B Corp certification, but uh-huh. I um, want would like if you would talk a little bit about the F Project. You guys were part of that. We are. Yeah. Um, can you tell our that? listeners that a little, about that a little bit? I'm probably not going to do it justice, but I'll do my best. <laughs> do your um, best. At least people will then look it up. You know, one of the things that's been really exciting for us is we're a women-owned business. Um, and just kind of in, in this year, the last few years, there's been a lot more awareness brought about supporting women-owned businesses, Mm -hmm. um, and the F Project is a a means by doing that. Um, And it's just been really great to see so many people actually rally around it. I had a little bit of a fear that it was like, well, this is a thing that is only going to attract women to Mm -hmm. support other women-owned businesses. And I I feel like there's been a lot of community support. Um, Can radio shows be part of the F F project. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think it's just yeah. women. I mean, it's just a way to get the word out about what women are doing. Right. Nice. Um, talk about women in a positive way. Yeah. Especially business owners and people doing cool. great things. So it seemed like I, I noticed you guys posted about it and I wanted um, our listeners to be able to go check it out because yeah. it's a really cool thing. So. I, I think mm. it's really great to have kind yeah. of that, that awareness um, in a just everyone rising tides lift all boats kind yeah. of way. So. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to know a little bit about your um, copy and your view on how you articulate your feelings about your food because it's pretty fun uh-huh. and a little bit sarcastic. Uh-huh. And I was wondering, do you all like sit around drinking a beer and eating tater tots <laughs> with ketchup and like decide how you want to speak and talk about your food or how do you do that? I wouldn't say it's quite that planned out. We okay. do sit around eating tater tots and drinking beer mm-hmm. at times. Um you know, for us, the duck kind of has its own personality. It's a conglomeration of a lot of, of us and our culture, but um, we were very intentional that the duck is not any one of the founders or, or the founders of Red Duck. Red mm-hmm. Duck is beyond that mm-hmm. because we, we wanted to grow the company since day one. Um, and But we do feel that that duck embodies a lot of kind of the Portland spirit. He's pioneering. Um adventurous, wants to try new things, a little bit sassy in a a playful way. And I think we've just, you know, made an effort to take a lot of feedback from our team internally, the people that we work with, whether that's only it's social media, it's design, it's all the all the businesses that we interact with. And we kind of try and integrate that in to that voice. Um, Yeah, I love the idea of having a mascot. Yeah. I mean, look how the Pillsbury Doughboy and Tony the Tiger and all those um, characters those have affected the food and how we think about it. And mm-hmm. it helps tell a story, doesn't it? Yeah, and we want we want Red Duck to be approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Red Duck is for anyone and everyone. It's not gender-specific. It's not age-specific. It's not only for kids. We've got lots of baby boomers that call in to tell us how much they love our products. We want that kind of fun, approachable, interactive um, kind of feel to our brand. 
And that's part of our mission is to make better products and create better experiences and be better neighbors. I, I think, think we, you, oh, sorry. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I think that's what drew Sarah in right away as she was looking at your um, website and she was like, oh, they're sassy. <laughs> so she was drawn into that. Yeah. We want it to be yeah. fun. I want to see a gigantic blow up red duck like somewhere. Well, we do have a five foot wooden duck that you can put your face through and oh, take a picture. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to do that. I want to be that red duck. Mm, That's great. (laughs) So, Sarah, you tried the ketchup. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the flavor. What's it taste like? I'd have to agree. It is definitely tomatoey, and that was very pleasant. And I actually like that I could taste onion. I could definitely taste onion there. There was complex uh, flavor from all the nice spices that are in there. Um, I don't know. It was just really good. I can't wait to take it home and put it on something. I'm going to have to look through all the recipes you have on your website and try something different and surprise my family. Yeah. I mean, there's also nothing wrong with just good old fries. I mean, I like to Mm -hmm. just maybe finish something that I have on my barbecue, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I see it like um, basted on anything like mushrooms. I like to grill a lot of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. That would be so good. Yeah. I did some stuff on my Traeger grill last night, and I finished it with some barbecue sauce, and I would have liked to have had this. I could put that on there as well. Nice. Sarah and I are both the grillers in the family. We are. Mm -hmm. It's the season. We actually have um, some burgers at New Seasons right now that have some of our smoked or our sweet mustard peppercorn barbecue sauce worked into them. In the burgers? Mm -hmm. So somebody can just go there and like pick them up on the way home tonight? Yep. Like in the deli cases or like where they make the the, meat section? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. That's cool. Good way to get your product Mm -hmm. into the back of the house. Um, so we talked a little bit about your stuff being organic, but also now it's all sugar-free, right? Not all of it. N- but the ketchups? Not all of them. Oh, okay. So this is the only one that is um, zero grams of added sugar. Okay, cool. But it has um, dates. It has dates. It does have dates in it, but date They're, paste is not considered a sweetener. Date everybody syrup loves, is. Oh, everybody yeah. loves dates. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we do have two taco sauces that are also zero grams of added sugar. So um, we call it kind of our, our keto trio. They're Whole30 compliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like to with, um, for our gluten-free pals out mm-hmm. there. So all they're all gluten-free as well. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only one product has any soy in it. It's the Korean taco sauce because it has miso that. and tamari, yeah. which inherently have soy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. everything else, I haven't no had corn, that one no either. Soy. We'll Do you have, have any it. exciting news you want to share with us? Like any launches coming up or... Well, the launches right now that that we're really excited about are the smoky ketchup that you tried, and then we just also reformulated the original ketchup. Um, It had organic honey in it, which is not vegan, Um, and that was... Yeah, it's from bees. Yeah, which are animals, as it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You you also can't source organic honey domestically. It's difficult. It's very difficult. When we talk about supply chains and organic, that's one that has I mean, they just have a mind of their own. They can fly wherever they want. Right, you can't put leashes on anything you want to do. So um, that's been a very expensive ingredient, yeah. and that's the product that goes in. I have a question about restaurants. So just in case we have a restaurant tour listening, mm-hmm. if a restaurant wants to have your ketchup on the table, yep, they do can. they get bottles and then they refill them, or how how do people do that? It's different for every restaurant. Okay, um, so, so some restaurants that. will order cases of the bottles, and they'll do exactly that. They'll yeah. refill them. Um, we sell in a two and a half gallon bag in a box, oh, so um, there is a easy. bulk back of house option. 
Some restaurants will put it in ramekins because they want the portion control. Nice. Others just put it out and let people eat as much as they want. I mean, um, you can make a whole meal out of a bottle of ketchup. We've already <laughs> talked yeah. about that. <laughs> Have yep. you guys ever ta- thought about doing um, single-serve packets? Because that's something that the condiment world talks about. We have. Um, we had some single-serve packets at one point. They were about the size of those um, single-serve peanut butter packets. Oh, nice. And we learned... You know, lessons you learn by doing things. Um, packaging matters, and people want what they're used to, mm-hmm. especially restaurants. So when your customer isn't actually the end customer, it's the store or the restaurant buying it, they want what fits in their in their kind of setup. They want what fits in their price setup mm-hmm. um, physically in the in the bins. And so a big one ounce packet it's too big. They didn't want to give that much away. Yeah. It was way mm-hmm. too big. So yeah. um, it we, is innovating in like that includes a lot of education, a lot mm-hmm. of education. Well, when we first started, our, our ketchup was in jars. Yeah, we thought it was unique and it would stand out and that would help us sell more product. And people are like, what do I do with this? Is it a sauce? Do I pour it? Do I use a spoon? Yeah. Oh, so it was in a jar with like a bigger opening, like a yeah. straight jar. I think I remember yep. that. Okay, so it was and, like a straighter jar with a big opening, and everyone's like, this isn't ketchup, because the jar is different. Right, they're like, oh, well, this one tastes like ketchup, but mm-hmm. it's not. I'm like, no, they're all ketchup. <laughs> and finally, we switched to the bottlets, and now in store buyers, too, we're like, Thank you so much. Now we get it. And we were like, why didn't you just tell us earlier? We would have made People this change. People don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. I completely agree. But, you know, we've got thick skin. We so can work you, with you. So you did go through some packaging changes because mm-hmm. we always like to talk about that a little bit. Do you think that you're at your final packaging? Like, is this what you're sticking with for the ketchups? I would say what I foresee in the future is that we will keep this bottle, mm-hmm. but there may be an addition of a squeeze bottle at some point. Um, maybe not in every flavor, but especially going back to kind of the food service side. Mm-hmm. I um, predict you're going to have a bottle with a <clears throat> with a duck on it, like embossed <laughs> just like the 57 on the Heinz. That would be so, really yeah, cool. Like have the your own glass. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the idea. But you're talking to the ops person who also (laughs) does not love the idea of one source where things are going to be very, if you're out, it might take months before you can have more. Where do you get your bottles from now? Is there a certain place? So we work with Mm co-packers and um, what we have found is we we work with co-packers that we have great relationships with and we trust to manage our supply chains. We okay all of the ingredients and packaging, but then we let them source it. Well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. So you went from, um, you know, starting the project, Mm -hmm. manufacturing it in Eugene, Mm -hmm. and then you're now a Portland business, so you do it here. So are your co-packers all located? here or are they all over the place they're just no they're they're in uh portland or just outside and Um, you you use different co-packers for different products right we do um we all of our products have very similar seasonality and Mm -hmm. so and the same seasonality as other products that our co-packers make um so in the summer when we're selling a lot of sauce they're selling a lot of their other products and it was hard to get line time Mm. so we were doing this Tetris of putting out fires of whatever product really was out stressful. of stock. Mm-hmm. It was very stressful. I so hate we that. we're not at a volume yet where if we bundle that, it actually gets our cost of goods down. Um, so we made the decision to kind of split the product families off, so that if need be, we could even produce every product on the same day. Oh, cool. Yep, that's awesome. And so that's working good for you now. You mm-hmm. have your um, supply chain figured out. 
Yeah, I'd like to think so. But now that I've said that, you know, something's going to fall out of the sky. (laughs) I'm not trying to jinx you. I'm just trying to talk it out. There's always something. I mean, one year it was like organic Chipotle powder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's things that that you can't predict Mm -hmm. in the world. One time we had a, there was a lime shortage. We use a lot of fresh lime juice. Mm -hmm. And um, we have our organic juicer squeeze them for us. But for some reason, cases of limes went from being like $60 to $260. That happened with me with dried egg powder a couple Mm -hmm. years ago. And also switching co-packers is super stressful. So once you have everything set up, it's so turnkey. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I did this six years ago. It was fine. Now I have to repeat it now. Right. And you have to remember everything. Yeah. Because you move on to other stuff. It does take a lot longer than you think. Um, we've worked with a few that we don't work with any longer. Um, the, the funny thing that we always joke about is the one that we've had the worst experience with was in Texas. Oh. Um, we're like, bring it back to Oregon. Just keep it here. We do things right here locally. But um, it is a long process. It's not just, oh, within a month we'll be up and running. There's benchtop samples. There's COPAC agreements. There's many, many pieces, and it can take three to six months before you're producing yeah. with them. It's complicated. Yeah, you're our first guest to be a shelf-stable product <clears throat> Excuse me, that's in national grocery stores. Oh. So yeah. um, our listeners might be interested in that. So you... Does it work that you have the products made by the co-packers and then do you take them back or do they all get picked up from distribution and then they go out to the stores? It's actually kind of in between. Um, okay. We work with a third-party warehouse um, because we have multiple co-packers. When our distributors order, they don't know which is which product is made at which co-packer. Mm-hmm. So the warehouse receives everything and they can assemble the orders for us. That way it can have ketchup, taco sauce, and barbecue sauce on it. And then that goes out to distributors. So we're taking possession, but not literally. We're just sending it to a warehouse that we contract with. So it's coming from one central place Mm -hmm. and people can order whatever they want from your So is there, if somebody is trying to figure out who might do that for them, is there some keywords they might search for on the internet? Like, is it distribution assistance or what do they call that? That is a great question. And this is falling under the category of, I did this six years ago. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) We've been working with is the same that when we moved up to Portland, we work with terminal transfer and they take care of everything. We got set up with them. um, And through the years, we've just really streamlined. Is there someone at terminal transfer we should invite in to talk at our radio show? (laughs) I don't want to, don't want to just totally, um, obligate them to to coming in but i can make some connections offline if you want i think we would like to kind of do that and have some of our supply chain stuff come on the show because it would be very interesting for people yeah they've been great and a lot of people come up to that same point where it's like okay now i i mean maybe everybody's journey isn't like yours or like mine but everybody has to get their product somewhere and it's like really difficult it's difficult and then when you're talking about like pallets and Mm -hmm. shipping things out if you're just starting the shipping rates are kind of based on how much you ship so less mm -hmm. than a truckload a lot of times and yeah and if you're just doing one thing um there's a lot of different avenues that people can go through so it's nice to have people just come in and talk about options because when you're first doing it you're like what can't i just mm. ship this one pallet why is it six hundred dollars i also (laughs) think that when you're first starting out you kind of have an image in your mind of how it must be done yeah and so for us we our our second office was an office warehouse and we were assembling those pallets yeah Mm -hmm. we were spending so much time 
an order from our distributor would come in and we're like, whoa, we got an order. Oh my gosh, we got an order. We have to go assemble it. Did you have to look up how to wrap a pallet? Uh, yeah, there's lots of videos on YouTube. Yeah, I watched um, YouTube videos <laughs> because I had no idea. Like the first time we got a pallet order, Dirk and I were like, okay, we got this pallet. We put it all on the pallet. And then we're like, now what do we do? And oh, I was like, my husband. He's an expert. He well, knows. I just watched some videos and oh. we did. We were like, okay, please get there. This is going to make it. And oh, then now great. we pay somebody else to do it. You also can't, <laughs> like when we first stacked our very first pallet, we just put these columns of product. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turns out, when the forklift lifts them up, they fall outward. Yeah, yeah. Sure you, you have to, to do stagger. kind of this interlocking thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had no idea. Yeah, um, yeah. usually the box company will help you set up your pallet pattern. So when you're looking that. at a yeah, <laughs> when you're looking at a case for your product, you should talk very carefully with your supplier, and they'll actually set that pattern up for nice. you. Good to know. Yeah. yeah, that is good to know. I didn't yes. even know that. Although now that you say that, that's totally what the shippers do when we bring in the boxes. Right. Is yeah. They like interlock them, and mm-hmm. but it's like a so as I'm puzzle. loading them out of my car, they know exactly they know the how pattern. to set them. Like yeah. you might have four cases running way one way, and mm-hmm. and three or four running the other way. So that and then you stagger and rotate that pattern. Yeah. Through all the layers. Yeah. That's called tie and high. Sarah, you need to help everybody with their yeah. pallet stacking. <laughs> These are all things I would have called you if I knew. You should have. <laughs> Useless information stuck in my head. You're so good. So mm. many talents, this woman. I know. I know. I, yeah. I thought I was just only calling you on the food safety side yeah. of things. Been around a while. She knows everything from food to pallet wrapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so um, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, I wanted to ask my selfish question, which is, do you make any spicy products? We do. So our actually actually spicy taco sauce is the hottest product that we make. Um, it is actually spicy. People and it's will called it. actually spicy. Yep. <laughs> we did that because our spicy ketchup we call... We jokingly call politely spicy. It has a little afterburn. And so when people try it, they're like, oh, that's not hot. And our hot honey chipotle... Barbecue sauce is kind of our our middle of the hot things, but the actually spicy, we wanted it to be something that when people tasted it, you don't have to wait for the burn. You'd taste it right away, but still has a good balance of flavor. It was a hard one to R&D because it's right at my spice tolerance, and so you could have about three tastes before your mouth is just all you taste is spice, yeah. and so we would have to taste it. We're like, oh, I think the lime might be out of balance, and then wait an hour and come back and taste it again, yeah. um, and so... It, it caused us to kind of have a slower development on Process. that one, um, but we got it there. And I think one of the things that we hear time and time again from spicy food lovers is that it does have that balance of flavor and heat. And yeah. it's got habanero, jalapeno, cayenne, number of peppers. So they kind of peak at different times and they You're kind of speaking my love meld, into, <laughs> yeah. meld into each other. I mean, spicy I mean, and hot are kind of two different things. So yeah. some people think spicy just means there's a lot of spices in it and it right. may not be hot. Like spiced, yeah. but not spicy. Think of like flavorful. gumdrops, spiced oh, gumdrops. Yeah. Those are spice. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot is hot sauce. So yeah. make sure you got the hot on there if you're yeah. going to do something hot. Yep. I'm going to go get it. And that is that sauce in like our local stores, mm-hmm. like New Seasons and yeah. places like that? Perfect. That's so great. Um, can you walk us through what a typical day is like for you <laughs> in business? I was going to say earlier when we were talking about ketchup being spilled on things that, you know, we haven't spilled a bottle at all this week. So no. <laughs> um, I don't know if there is a typical day. 
we have an office that we work from and, you know, there's there's a ton of emails and logistics that go into everything that we're doing. But every week looks different. I mean, as I said, some days I'm fixing the printer. Other days we're at trade shows. Um, sometimes we're out at our co-packers on, you know, a new batch of a new product. Um, Jess does a lot of traveling on the sales and marketing side. So it's every day is different. What's your favorite kind of day? Do you run? Do you go to the gym? I I do run. Um, I do ultra I marathons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that crazy person that runs 100-mile races through the mountains. Oh. So, do yeah. you bring ketchup in those packets? Not in As the packets, energy? but we are the official ketchup sponsor of Go Beyond Racing's race series. Whoa. So, um, Tell us a little bit about that. What is Go Beyond Racing? Go Beyond Racing um, does ultra marathons. They've got, you know, Five or six, I think, throughout the year, starting in May, ending in October. Just in Oregon or all up and down the West Coast? Mostly Oregon. One's on St. Helens, so technically Washington. Okay. Um, But they just go through these beautiful places. They're the most well-supported races I've participated in. Wow. And I just asked them one year, do you have a ketchup sponsor? Oh. And they said no. And I said, could we be it? Oh. Um, So we provide ketchup and barbecue sauce for their post-race barbecues, which is a lot of fun because it marries my two worlds and brings all my people together so that's so cool that's wonderful. a lot of fun i love that yeah very cool if there was one thing you could tell somebody who's starting up a food company what would it be oh just one thing yeah just <laughs> one sort of advice one piece of advice i think i would say don't be afraid to ask questions oh that's um, good advice that is a good one the the advice yeah. is kind of a, a bigger piece of just you know be willing to meet new people, network, ask questions. But we've learned so much just from people being willing to help us out. We're anxious and eager to kind of keep paying that forward if there are newer companies that come to us for advice on tie high and how to wrap a pallet. Mm-hmm. There's no need for everyone to have to struggle through that. We can right. all share. And there, you'll be amazed at how willing to help people are um, if you just ask. I love that. That's very it's good. It's nice to know that that's, you know, we all experience that. And I think that in Portland, we have this really awesome community with yeah. our food makers where we want to help new people and we want to help people that are getting through it. And I don't think you see that everywhere. It's I think a lot of people unusual. are very private with their information. And I think it's, I think that this city has done a good job in yeah. that aspect yeah. of like creating these entrepreneurs that want to help each other. Well, and it I doesn't think it's really good awesome. to keep that information to yourself. It's yeah. super unusual. If people want to understand what the margins are going into distribution, it's pretty much the same across center store grocery, whether you have a popcorn or a nut butter or a condiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the distributor is still moving that product in the same way. The stores are still using the same markup. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt me to share that with with new up and coming companies. Yeah. So, well, I love that. Thanks for yeah. um, helping to support this community that yeah. we're so into. It's great. Uh, anything else as we're kind of wrapping up, we just have a minute or two here. Anything you want to plug or you want to tell people about or that you're excited about? I, I mean, you kind of jumped the gun on that one for me. Yeah. It was just that Portland is such a great place to start a business food in particular, but consumer products, This is just such a great community that has been so supportive and so willing to help going back to the rising tides, lift all boats sort of thing. And we're just really grateful to be able to be a part of it. 
Well, we're glad you're here. Thanks for coming today. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me thanks today. Thanks for being Very a guest cool. on our show. Thanks and for drinking the ketchup oh, out of the man, bottle. That was awesome. <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, thanks for coming back from too. the Cheese Fest. Mm. Uh, we record Missoni and Marshall inside of Ned Space. Tune in line live every week, Fridays at 9, or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to Alon for being our audio engineer and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on our show, submit a press release to startupradionetwork.com. We would love to hear from you, and we'd love to have you in the studio. Until oh. next week. Yep. Come in here and listen to us next week. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.